Hello, listeners. I know if you're listening to this podcast, you're likely going through a divorce or thinking about it. And if so, you are not alone. Over a million people get divorced in the United States every year. But we know that divorce can be an extremely complex and expensive process, especially if you have to hire a lawyer and spend a lot of time in court. And that's where Hello Divorce comes in. Hello Divorce is an online divorce platform that makes it easy and affordable to get a divorce yourself. With Hello Divorce, you can complete the entire divorce process online, in your own home, and at your own pace. They offer a variety of features to help you get through your divorce, including easy-to-use online forms and guides, a step-by-step walkthrough of the divorce process, and access to experienced divorce professionals for help and support. So if you're thinking about getting a divorce, I encourage you to check out Hello Divorce. The founder, Erin Levine, is a friend of mine, and I honestly admire what she has created with Hello Divorce so much. This platform is the change we need in the divorce industry. You can hear Erin explain more in her episode on the podcast entitled The FYI on DIY Divorce. I'll be sure to link to it in the show notes for you. You can get more information, resources, and support at hellodivorce.com forward slash beyond. And if you use the code beyond, you'll get $100 off your service. So go to hellodivorce.com forward slash beyond. Coming up on today's episode of the Divorce and Beyond podcast. We all learned in, in our relationships and those relationships that didn't work out and certainly in divorce that communication is a huge piece of any relationship. And it's just as important in the bedroom as it is outside of the bedroom. And they're all related. And a good relationship will have good intimacy. And there are things that happen that change, especially as we age and our bodies change. And you want to be able to communicate to your partner how things have changed. And it's critical. And that will lead to better everything. Hello, and welcome to the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host. As a top divorce attorney and family law mediator for 30 years, I know what you need to know to get through your divorce, and most importantly, how to move beyond it to thrive and transition to your new future. My experts and I are here to give you the insider view into the process, so listen in for the wisdom and expert information you need on your journey through divorce and beyond. Hello, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Susan Guthrie, your host and listeners, so we're at the beginning of November now. We spent all of October shining a very much needed light on the issues of domestic violence, domestic abuse. And I wanted to start November off with a little bit more of a bang. No. (laughs) Oh, I I make myself laugh. (laughs) And my guest. Um, I wanted to dive into a more, again, I'm going to make a little pun, but a pleasurable topic. And so I invited my friend, Karen Bigman, to be back on the show. And I'll talk about that in a sec. But we're going to be diving into reclaiming your sex life after divorce. So now you get all my puns, everybody. But Karen, (laughs) if you don't remember, Karen was our number three guest on Divorce and Beyond oh so many years ago. And at that time, Karen was working, helping people 
to become really the, the master of their divorce process. We called it the CEO of the divorce process. And since that time, she's moved on into a new, a new passion, a newfound passion, or maybe not newfound, but a, a new business uh, passion to really help people reclaim their sexuality for a variety of reasons, right? We have as a society such a difficult time talking about sex and and things about sex. And it's really an issue that for many of you who are going through divorce are going to find will be coming up or has come up at some point in your journey. So first off, let me say thank you to Karen for coming back, for being willing to talk about uh, this topic with us all. So thanks, Karen. Oh, so thank you so much for having me, having me back, having me in my new incarnation is an equally important topic, a little more fun than uh, than divorce. But I, I'm I'm super excited to be uh, to be in this new space and to be back here, able to talk to your audience again. Yes, well, and and I wanted to say, you know. I think this is the Divorce and Beyond podcast, and your beyond will hopefully include sex, folks. So, you know, it's something that we have not really talked about a great deal on the podcast. And when I saw your new podcast, I really wanted to be able to talk about this. So I should mention Karen has just launched um, so that you can get a deeper dive than what we're able to do in just one podcast episode. She has an entire podcast dedicated to this topic and, and related topics. It's called Taboo to Truth, Unapologetic Conversations of Sexuality in Midlife. And I do want to say to all of you out there who are listening right now, we are probably going to use the anatomically correct language <laughs> around sex, the sexual organs and different sort of things. So if you have your little people with you at the moment in time, you may want to put on headphones or put them in another room or listen to this episode later. And if that is language that you're uncomfortable with, I'd encourage you to consider listening maybe that discomfort is a part of what we're talking about as we get into this topic today, right? There's there's a reason, Karen, why you think it's so important that you talk about this, that you started a podcast just to talk about this topic. I would love it if all you parents out there actually, perhaps maybe the uh, the, the more graphic pieces of the of the sexuality might, may not be that important, but part of the issue and part of the the fear and the shame and the embarrassment about talking about sex really has to do with how we educate our kids from when they're very young. We teach, perhaps depending on the age and depending on on the state you live in, um, only seventeen states even mandate sexual education. So that's, that's, that's a problem, but we don't teach body parts. I, I mean, I just learned in, in my research for this podcast that, that this is what I have below the belt is not my vagina, but my vulva. So just learning the, the, the actual names of your body parts is really important. And that also helps have healthy, healthy body image and, and healthy sexuality for your kids as they grow up and become adults and become sexually active. So I'm one of these people that can talk about anything. <laughs> Susan knows me well. And so I feel like if I can be the person to help you talk about it, then that's that's my my job and it's it's done. Even as we were talking about doing this episode, this is like a topic that for some reason, and, and I think there's a lot of societal reasons and patriarchal reasons and reasons why we keep sex 
you know, behind closed doors and we're embarrassed to talk about it or we are hesitant to talk about it. Unfortunately, that just leads to many people finding themselves in a situation where they are having issues in their sex life. And there's a myriad of issues that we can have in our sex lives or in our sexuality or with the aging process and as it affects our sex lives. And yet we have very few resources to go to. We have very little ability or comfort with talking about it. And so there's a lot of misinformation or there's a lack of information for a lot of people. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. And, you know, as as we all learned in, in our relationships and those relationships that didn't work out and certainly in divorce, that communication is a huge piece of any relationship. And it's just as important in the bedroom as it is outside of the bedroom and they're all related. And so if a good relationship will have good intimacy and there are things that happen that change, especially as we age and our bodies change or, or childbirth, whatever it is that happens. And you want to be able to communicate to your partner how things have changed and it, it's critical and that will lead to better everything. <laughs> super, super, you know, communication, regardless of what aspect of your relationship. Well, and I think you just said something that's important to, to emphasize that, you know, good relationships are about communication or, or involve a, a very, you know, high level of communication. And, you know, obviously people listening to this podcast are here usually because they're, they're at some state in the process of divorce where communication is generally not at its best and their relationship probably lacked good communication for some period of time prior to the point where they got to divorce. And now people find themselves, you know, emerging back out into the world of dating, reestablishing relationships with new people, getting intimate with new people, having sex with new people, getting naked with new people in a different world, in a different place with new bodies, perhaps than the one that they, you know, had before they were married the first time. And I find it interesting because people in so many ways seem more willing and able to get naked and have sex than they are to talk about getting naked and having sex with somebody. Yeah, and I, I think it's part of it is you're you're now liberated, and you know, for for those of us who had longer marriages and got divorced later in life, it's like you've been with the same person, or you've not been having sex with the same person, as is often the case later, and as you as you go through divorce, and all of a sudden now you're out there, and it's like, wow, this is really exciting. I get to I get to start all over and try it again, and we all know that like the best part you know, the best feeling you can have is when you meet somebody new and all of a sudden you've got this amazing attraction. And first thing you want to do is, is, you know, is get into bed with them. And of course, when you're menopausal or perimenopausal and your body starts to change and a lot of women who have been stay at home moms and start to feel really, you know, they don't feel sexual anymore because their whole, their whole life was revolving around their children. And now they're all of a sudden they're trying to become attractive to a man and they can't imagine that. I think there's a lot to just starting to feel, you know, figure out yourself and feeling good in your body that will help you really want to uh, find the right partner to be able to communicate with, to enjoy that, that body with. <laughs> yeah. And that makes so much sense. And for so many women. And I do want to say this episode may sound like it's for women, right. but you and I were just talking a minute ago before we we went on air that this is an episode for everyone. Because if you're a man having sex with women, this is about your partner 
this is about your future partner. Uh, ladies, this is about you and, and what you might experience. And, and gentlemen, you have issues as well, right? I mean, the, everybody can experience um, these issues and everyone can benefit from better communication around sex. But you use two words there. They're thrown around all the time these days. These are two of the hot words. I know I see them on Instagram and TikTok all the time. You said perimenopause and menopause. Now you have, you know, training, you're a menopause coach, I think is is the most recent certification that you've received. Can you explain just briefly what are perimenopause and menopause, you know, for listeners so they understand what you're talking about? Definitely. Well, first thing I want to say before I even go into what they are is that the stigma around menopause is the worst part of it. <laughs> I mean, yes, there are symptoms that are that are unfortunate that come with it, but I think that that as just as a generation of women who are aging and going through menopause, which is, you know, we are one of the first, we, we didn't live that long before. So this was not as much of an issue, but if you are a woman, you will go through and you're alive after a certain age, you will go through menopause. So we just, you know, first of all, we need to normalize that conversation, but what is menopause? Cause that's, that's really, you know, to understand it. Menopause is officially defined as 12 months without your period. And perimenopause is that transition up to the point when you stop having your period. Why do you stop having your period? Because you have fewer and fewer eggs and your, your hormones start to change and you start to lose estrogen and progesterone and testosterone. Your hormones are changing. And when all that has been close to depleted or very low, your, your period stops. And that is the official, that is the moment that you are in menopause. So there's perimenopause. Menopause is that moment and then postmenopause, but we call it all menopause. One of the consequences, which sort of brings it back around to sex that happens is that not only does your body physically change, you may be developing more, you know, more uh, fat around your stomach, um, your, you know, your muscles are, you're, you have to work harder to have muscle, um, but you start to lose estrogen, which causes dryness, particularly in the vulva and vagina. So that is where the sex part gets a little more, I, I say, you need to modify how you have sex, you do not need to stop having sex. And another consequence, not um, not just physically uh, to your body, but your often your libido, uh, your interest in sex may wane, your ability to have an orgasm may, may be uh, harder. So a lot of things start to happen around sex. And a lot of particularly women decide they don't want sex. There's this whole myth around the fact that men want younger women because of all these issues that we're we're having in midlife. And I want to attest to the fact that that is not the case. <laughs> so the voice of experience gets to speak there. And I think that that's, you know, I, I just thought of something that you said about the definition of menopause being 12 months without your period. I mean, if I can just, I'll date myself in the menopause continuum who wants to have a period? So there's like, why are we looking at it as this big, huge negative thing? I was kind of like, great, that's ending because that wasn't a lot of fun every month for most of my life. But it does come with a bunch of uncomfortable or physical changes. There are these mental changes that you've just described, which may, or, or these feelings of loss of libido. They can bring about feelings. Some of the physical changes bring about, you know, changes in feelings. Nobody likes gaining weight around their middle. No one likes, you know, running into issues around vaginal dryness and all these things and, and talking about it. So it it's really sort of a... a a maelstrom of issues that kind of descends upon women 
because you know men don't men have losses of hormones etc et right they go through different sorts of hormonal changes as they age but for women it's got a much more more prominent manifestation i would say and stigma so uh, you know I, I i'm actually kind of it surprised me a little bit but now i'm used to it but men talk about oh I, you know viagra like it's no big deal for them they'll they'll go in and and by the way they rebranded impotence to erectile dysfunction at some point. <laughs> I saw that. Right. And now they have like, like retired football players running around going, do you have ED? I've exactly. got ED. I was like, wow. They, I mean, bravo for men that they get to talk about it freely, but we don't see women running around too much on national television talking about their menopause symptoms. Right. Right. And, and, and there are, you know, there are things and I actually wrote an article called hot sex and it was about how I had a hot flash in the middle. of. (laughs) Okay. We're going to link to that everyone. So you can read it. (laughs) So, you know, these, there are things I will also tell you though, that because we are older and more mature and we have these um, modifications that we, that we may need to make or certain times a day that, you know, we, we, you know, sex is just not pleasurable for us or, or however, um, you know, we need to do it. Men are surprisingly not surprised by it, surprisingly not surprised. They're not shocked by it. And they, I think they really actually like, and, and I'm, you know, t- talking in a heterosexual relationship because that is what I know and, and who I identify as a woman. So anyone who identifies differently may, may have a slightly different experience. But the bottom line is that I mean, I've had to explain and it, and it was scary at first. I am on hormone therapy. So I have an estrogen patch that goes between, you know, your, your, um, your vulva and your belly button. So first thing is, you know, you're getting naked and let alone all the stretch marks from the kids and whatever else is going on <laughs> and that your boobs aren't perky unless you've done some work on them. But that's, that's old news. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> then, you know, then there are these issues and Actually, it's interesting because um, I find a lot of sex educators are pushing lube to younger audiences as well. And, you know, lube is just the fact you just you bring it into the bedroom and it's actually it, it makes it more fun for him and and for you. So that was, you know, having to add that. And then the next piece, which was a challenge for me, was that because of all these changing hormones, I had issues with orgasm. And so I actually learned this from a sex therapist that I needed to use vibrators. And now, I mean, people are talking about you know sex toys, but that was just something I'm like, well, okay, in order for me to enjoy this evening tonight, we're going to have to bring, I love, there's a, there's a podcaster. Um, she's a, a, a gynecologist, Lauren Stryker. She calls it Bob, your battery operated boyfriend. <laughs> so he's coming in the bedroom with us, buddy. <laughs> like. <laughs> So for the listeners out there, Lauren has not been on the show yet, but she's an upcoming guest and uh, she's a friend of Bella Gandhi's and Beth McCormick, some of my other guests. Lauren has no, Dr. Lauren has no problem saying what she, she needs to say. Um, And she's a wonderful resource, but you're right. You know, people do not talk about, or there's again, shame associated with, you know, bringing in uh, additional aspects to, having an enjoyable time having sex. I mean, what's if if that's what's a part of the process that leads to it being more fun, why is that a problem for people yet there is still such a difficulty talking about this? Yeah, and I will say that the truth of the matter is that he really likes that. <laughs> so it's not it's it's just as fun for him and and 
it then it becomes sort of something that you're trying different things and new things. And if you have to modify for physical, I just did an episode on, on, you know, back pain, sex and back pain. And, you know, I had one partner that he had a shoulder issue, couldn't lie on one certain side. You know, I know that I have to prop up my legs because I got hip issues. It's just, but it becomes just part of the whole, you know, it, it, again, it's communicating and we're, because we're more mature and it's kind of also, you know what, if this doesn't work for you, you know, then I don't need to be with you. I, I don't have to stay with you for the kids. I don't have to fake being in a relationship with you. If it's not working, it's not working. But if it is, we can really make it great because we have these tools now that we, you know, I've had to open up and tell you something really intimate about me. And so now I can tell you other things and what works for you. Hi, listeners. I wanted to let you know that the Divorce and Beyond website is a great place to visit if you're looking for more support and information as you move through your divorce and beyond. We have links there to all the latest episodes. We have the full show notes and links from the most recent episode. There's a sign up for the weekly newsletter, and we have lots of freebies and downloadable resources for you. We even have a divorce topics page where we have broken down the episodes by topic so that you can find the episodes that are on point to your issue of interest. There are pages on episodes on financial topics, children and divorce, high conflict divorce, and more. So visit the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com and find exactly what you're looking for. Stay tuned for more from Karen Bigman as she shares her insights and tips for reclaiming your sex life after divorce. She's helping you add some oxytocin to your beautiful beyond. Learning to pleasure yourself in whatever way is the way that you are going to be able to enjoy sex with someone else because you can tell them what you need and what you like. Learn your body because it's really, really important for for you. And even if you don't have a partner, having an orgasm is very good for you physically. So even, you know, self-pleasure as a, as a practice, as a, as a health practice is super important. If you are enjoying this episode, be sure to check out last week's show featuring Kate Anthony, host of the Divorce Survival Guide podcast and the author of the soon-to-be-released book, The D Word, Making the Ultimate Decision About Your Marriage, as she shares more about her journey to becoming a domestic violence victim's advocate. There's nothing that you're doing that's wrong that's making it happen. And that's what we think, right? Well, if you didn't do X, then I wouldn't have to do Y. You could do X, you could do L, you could do Q. It doesn't matter. He's still going to do Y. And now we return to today's show. There's freedom and empowerment in that, which is something that I talk about on this show all the time, but I don't know that people have put the two together with respect to this particular topic. And I, I really like how you've sort of laid out your own journey and it sort of gives tips on what someone heading back out there to reclaim their sex life might be facing because you've identified that you might be trotting out that door to go out on that date post-divorce with a different body and different feelings about your body than you might have had the last time you were going to have sex for the first time with a new person. You 
may or may not even be aware of all of the physical changes and different needs you might have, right? You were talking about, you know, with the uh, the dryness issue, needing lubricant, um, with a harder time reaching orgasm, so that Bob, our battery-operated <laughs> boyfriend, might be helpful, right? So you, there's some self-discovery and understanding of where you are and what your needs are that you need to do. And then your third step was communicating that to your new partner and then working with it is kind of the fourth step and taking it forward into that sexual relationship. So there's a progression there that someone could follow, but it does, it doesn't start in the bedroom when suddenly the clothes start flying, hopefully, or, or however you're getting those clothes off. It starts with sort of getting to know your you and your needs before you head out that door, I think. And so can you share a little bit about how, you know, where you said, I, I found out who, who told you about using a vibrator or using um, sex toys? You know, how did you find out what you needed? Right. So when I first got separated, I started a relationship. Uh, and it was, of course, the first time in 20 something years that I was with a new partner. And I discovered that as as great as everything was, I couldn't have an orgasm. I think the first part is it's really hard to communicate that. So you want to tell, who do you tell? Well, the gynecologist is the obvious person. Or a doctor, and I can't have an orgasm. <laughs> it's like, but you need to tell your doctor because there's nobody else who's going to be able to to help you. And there, there are tons of things you can do. And so after, um, at, at the beginning, it was... I, I hate to say that the doctor said it's all in your head because it, she didn't quite say that, but there is definitely a component. Your brain is your biggest sex organ. So there's no question that there is a component of how we uh, enjoy intimacy that has to do with, with our emotional health. Uh, but eventually she sent me to a, a women's sexual health practice and it turned out that I my testosterone levels were very low and we need testosterone um, for libido and for orgasm. And also something that I did not know uh, that uh, now I now know is a is a major part of a woman enjoying sex. Most women cannot orgasm that, uh, with penis and vagina vaginal penetration. They actually need clitoral stimulation, and that was the part that was missing for me that made the big difference. And to have a certain level of of clitoral stim- stimulation, that was where the, the the vibrators and toys came in. And so once you once you try one, <laughs> you start to learn all about them. Um, and, and let me add that this is a piece that I've just started really trying to push. Nobody really wants to talk about masturbation for many, many people have been brought up that that's shameful and you shouldn't do it. But I, I'm going to say, you know, you know, quiet those voices because learning your own body, taking a mirror, looking down there, seeing what it looks like and knowing that your your vulva, your body is beautiful and in, in its own right, that everybody's is different. And, you know, you want to know what it looks like today. So when it looks different tomorrow, is that normal? Is that, you know, regular aging? Is that something that's that, that's not right there? Learning to pleasure yourself in whatever way is the way that you are going to be able to enjoy sex with someone else because you can tell them what you need and what you like. And it it can be one of those things that's even embarrassing for yourself. But if nobody's around, you know, the tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it. <laughs> But you come out and you can grow a beautiful new one, then <laughs> that's, yeah. that's really, really important. So I really encourage um, anyone who, who follows me to, to learn, you know, learn, learn your body because it's really, really important for, for you. And even if you don't have a partner, having uh, 
an orgasm is very good for you physically. It, it, it strengthens your pelvic floor muscles. It gives you lubrication in all the areas that, that you don't have, that you may be losing it. So even, you know, self-pleasure as a, as a practice, as a, as a health practice is super important. Well, and that's a, another point that you and I were actually making because we've been talking about the hormones and hormones really are one of the most important health factors that we have just as an overall, they, they control pretty much every aspect of our lives, whether we know it or not. And, um, you know, they go up, they go down, they're affected by different things. I've talked about on this show many times about all the negatives about hormones, about the negative hormones that we experience when we're going through the stress of divorce, right? The the cortisol that streams through our veins when we get upset or stressed or emotional, the adrenaline and the fight or flight, you know, fear responses that we had. And we live in a world today where we are spending so much of our lives facing conflict and 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 negativity that those those hormones tend to be the ones that we are predominantly uh, experiencing right. in our lives. So if we can flip that around at any point in our day, I'll say to y'all, even if it's a moment of self-pleasure so yep. that you can release some oxytocin and some, some good hormones into your, literally into your physical system, not the worst thing that could ever happen happen to your day. Let's balance out some of the negative with a little, you know, Bella is always talking about the the positives of oxytocin. I mean, there's right. a lot of reasons to get those going as well. So, and and I do think it's a very interesting point that, you know, if you don't know what you like, how are you going to tell what what will help you have an orgasm or what will what feels good to you? How do you share that with someone else? Are you just going to leave them guessing through the whole process or <laughs> give them feed? I mean, definitely give them feedback, right? But right. if you can give them some hints, I bet they might appreciate it. Right. And you want to enjoy it. And so, uh, you know, you, you don't want to just say, oh, God, when is this going to be over? Because that that's that's the worst kind of sex. <laughs> I'm pretty sure your partner's not enjoying your wondering when it's going to be over either. Let exactly. me just point that out. If you're exactly. just doing it because you want them to feel good or be happy, I've heard that comment from from people as well. And I, I would say, you know, I, I highly suspect they would much prefer you were enjoying yourself as well. Yes, a good partner definitely, definitely feels like like that. And I, you know, I remember I, I had a friend who once called it husband sex, and I just it, that just makes me cringe. It, that it, to me is almost almost non consensual sex, which is not something we ever 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 want to have. I'm going to add one thing to the to the um, to the self pleasure. It also is a great sleep aid. <laughs> for those of us that are having the hormonal changes and having trouble sleeping. So if you can't sleep, pull out Bob. <laughs> you she might you go. <laughs> well, and that's, I mean, that's, you know, there's, there's a lot of positives to introducing sex into your life in a variety of different ways. Cause that's, right. Self-pleasure is just one form of sexual activity, right. right? It's not, we talk about it like it's some thing that it's part of that shame cycle of talking about sex at all, but it's just one more aspect of your sex life. If you can think of it that way, once somebody has that idea or understanding of what will help them enjoy sex with someone new, do you have any tips on 
how to have these conversations, when to have these conversations with a new sexual partner. Because for so many people, that is an incredible stressor as they go back. It's it's not even the dating that's stressful. It's the idea of getting naked and having sex with somebody new. Yeah, I I think the um the, the first conversation and and this one it's a difficult conversation to have, but I think it is the most converse, most important conversation to have. And the first it, once when you are going to get intimate with someone, and it doesn't have to be in a relationship. If you want to just go and, and and meet a partner and have sex, you know, because you haven't in so long, then 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 that's okay too. It's the STD conversation. I make sure when I started dating again, my doctor gave me a list of all the the tests that that my partner should have, and particularly, you know, some of them you don't really think the ones you think of, of, you know, syphilis, gonorrhea, but, but some of them are, 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 you know, that may be less likely depending on where your partner's been, but herpes is, is a huge thing. I mean, our generation, particularly if, if those of us that were in college in the eighties, that was the beginning of the herpes um, epidemic, I guess I should say. And, and that is something that you can still catch it just because you can't get pregnant doesn't mean you can't get an STD. So I always make sure that, that my partner gives me a, a, a panel of, of, of tests and I will do the same for him because that conversation, if they will not have that conversation with you or they won't give you those, uh, those results, then you might want to reconsider whether you actually want to get intimate with them. So, so that's the, that conversation can start the next one. And then once you're actually, you know, intimate, every man I have been with uh, comes either comes with condoms or I have condoms. I, you know, that's, that's a, that's a note. You know, until even with the tests in the beginning, I you know you want to make sure you this is the person you want to be with, uh, and then you know it, it is it, it it's a weird conversation. I mean, the, the naked part's almost easy because you're in the moment, and sometimes there's alcohol right, or right, drugs involved, like, you know, marijuana yeah. involved, and so you know your inhibitions are down. Um, but then it comes to like this, hey, this is what I need, and and, and sometimes he'll ask, does this feel good? Is this what you want? Or you know and it's hard. It's hard. It's a hard conversation, but it's important. And it's literally just saying like, this is who I am. This is what my body is like. And if you want to be with me, which in that moment, he will, <laughs> this is what, this is what you need to for this do. to continue to happen. <laughs> right. 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 So it sounds like some of the conversation is best had before a moment of passion, right? Yeah. Like this is, this relationship seems to be moving or this this moment in time seems to be moving forward toward a, a sexual encounter of some kind, and you can call it whatever you, you like, but us having sex and sharing, you know, the safety information. Right. But then some of the conversation may just naturally happen as a part of having sex of, you know, as your clothes come off, you are verbal or more, um, more explanatory about what you need and more able to share with your partner what what works, what my shoulder hurts. I love that, you know, oh, my back. Can I put my legs over here? You know, but, but being able to say those things and being ready to say them in that moment without it, you know, how many people, I, and I can hear people out there saying this right now, well, doesn't that just kill the moment? right? Is, shouldn't it just be this explosion of passion? And we're so caught up in the moment for me to go, oh, no, don't touch me like that. Touch me like this. Or, oh, my leg needs to go over there because I have a bad hip. Kind of kills the moment. And no, I see you shaking your head. <laughs> I just, I, <laughs> I'm, 
I'm just thinking of a partner that tried to put my legs over my head and I'm like, no, that one's not working. They don't go there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, he, he just wants that to enjoy it and he wants you to enjoy it. So if that, you know, if it's, Again, if if it's not pleasurable and you're 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 wincing, <laughs> like he's yes. and that's that's not fun for him either. And so and and men want experiment too. Like they want, uh, you know, they're they're nervous too. I mean, the one piece that we have that that is um, much more prominent than men is that we're very conscious of our bodies, which they aren't looking. <laughs> they're, I mean, they're looking at us as a whole picture of a beautiful woman, sexual being, and we're saying, oh no, I have a little stretch mark over there. I don't, I'm not going to go on that side because. He's going to see that part. That's the part, the hardest part to let go of. And once you let go of that, then you can start to really say, you know, okay, he, he may even ask you, you know, what, what is it you like? What is it you, that you want? And, or, you know, if he's the selfish lover, which that happens too, then you just maybe, you know, this isn't going to happen again because you weren't, you weren't interested in me. And I, I, or you felt so uncomfortable communicating that it wasn't, you know, you just didn't want to want to do it. Well, and that's, you know, that's an important part too. And it makes me wonder, what about a post encounter sort of? So when I do a mediation with parties at the end of the mediation process, we kind of like, so what went well? What could have been better? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we do a debrief. So I, what do you think about doing a post sex debrief? I, I think it's a great idea. I think it, I have had those with partners that I've been in serious relationships with. And, and there's someone now that in my life that we, uh, my girlfriend calls a situationship. <laughs> there's a distance issue and, and many others, but I am able to say, you know, after the fact, I'll say, well, when, you know, like, I really want to try this or, you know, what you were doing, like, I was trying to tell you this, but you weren't really listening. So it, it, it does happen. I mean, my ex-boyfriend and I, we, in our, on our drives, we would just have these really, really intimate conversations about, sex and how we were doing it and what we wanted to do. So it, it, it is, it is a great thing. I mean, it's, it's a wonder because then the next time you're like, Oh, remember we talked about whatever, I'm not going to do this anymore. Or the, they won't say oh, do, they just don't because they know you didn't like it or they'll do more of what you did like. So I think they're great ideas. Again, it, the more you communicate, the more you talk about it, the better it gets, the more sex you have. Well, and the more sex you have, you know, something else that we know is as you get those parts moving and working again and all that. Um, and I'll, I'll say this, I, at least I think something that we know is once you get them started working and moving again, you want to get them started and working and moving and using everything all again. And it, it becomes a much more positive experience. I think people can't get past, oh, this is going to be really hard to talk about. And on the flip side of that, in the beyond that first difficult moment maybe of bringing up the conversation in so many different ways that experience, the sexual experience can be a lot better, but the relationship can move forward in a new, different, more intimate way as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. You feel so much more connected to the person because it's like, that is the thing that is, I used to say sex and money are the two most difficult things to talk about. And I, I you know, you know that all too well in, in your business. Um, and so once you can have those conversations, everything else starts starts to flow and it's just, you know, part of it. And and you'll start seeing, you know, where women who complain like, I'm not in the mood, I'm not in the mood, all of a sudden you'll be in the mood more because that little thing that he does, you know, that that before meant nothing. Oh, he's washing the dishes. Wow. He looks really hot when he washes the dishes. <laughs> You never know what's going to turn you on, ladies. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> or gentlemen, right? 
There you go. There you go. And by yeah. the way, gentlemen, uh, orgasms are good for your prostate. Not, not, not that men don't want them, but sex is just as important uh, physically as, for men as it is for women. So from a, from a health perspective, forgetting just the enjoyment piece. Yeah. Well, and, and can I just say to any men who are, are listening still to this episode at this point, <laughs> bravo to you yeah. for hanging in and listening to this. And I guarantee that seeing maybe a little bit of the other side of maybe how hard it is for women to talk about some of these things. Um, and, and Karen even said, maybe he'll ask, you know, what you like or that. Gentlemen, maybe throw that into the conversation the next Absolutely. time in, you're in the midst. You know, I think that uh, the number one tip I'm taking from this conversation that we've had, Karen, is that in order to reclaim your sex life, whether it's after divorce, in your marriage, whatever, in your life, the number one thing is knowing yourself and being able to communicate what you're, you need what you need sexually, physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever those things are, communication as it is in so many things becomes the key to reclaiming your sex life as well. Absolutely. You, you summed it up so well as, as, the, as the attorney that you are. In yeah, well, ways. yes. Your Honor, I'd like to summarize. <laughs> yes, that I've done yes. 33 years of that. I'm able to do that here. But We've only been able to really have a, a high-level conversation on a very complex and important conversation, and that is why you started Taboo to Truth. And and so I just, you know, tell a little bit about the podcast, what type of topics that you're covering, and how people can find it, and just more information. Yeah, so I'm on um, Spotify, Apple, um, wherever you, you listen to your podcasts. Uh, I've been talking about a lot about my personal experience. I get very raw. <laughs> Someone the other day said I was telling her a story. She goes, "Oh no, no, I heard that on your podcast." So I do talk about <laughs> the, um, my personal journey. I educate on uh, different aspects of, of sex, on on you know, issues with orgasm, pain with sex. I help explore physical therapist, so I address the physical issues and also um, menopause, which is inextricably intertwined with sexuality, certainly for, for midlife. I, I'm, my audience is, um, interestingly, I've been targeting women and obviously speaking as, as a cisgender woman, uh, but I have my latest statistics showed that 60% of my listeners were men. So that is kind of interesting <laughs> too. So it's not just, just for women. Uh, there's a lot to learn. I have, you know, my next, this series uh, over the next few weeks is about pain, physical issues. And in January, I'm going to continue um, on this conversation of the, of the uh, sex post, post-divorce or, or after a long relationship. So, well, there's a, well, already, it's a brand new podcast, but there's already a wealth of information there. And you, you know, you've heard Karen, she's going to tell it to you like you're talking to your girlfriends. Um, and she's sharing her own experiences, which honestly, you know, if we all could talk about this topic, um, with that ability to just normalize the conversation, um, which unfortunately as a society, we just don't do. I mean, I think we're actually going the other direction and making more things taboo than, than not. And so that's one reason why I, I really wanted to have this uh, conversation with you and to highlight your, your new show, Karen, and what you're doing, because I think that um, there's only good 
to be learned and had by listening, learning, sharing this information, understanding ourselves better. And as we talked about today in this show, communicating with our partners. Um, and, you know, that will lead to better lives and happier lives and a little more oxytocin for us all. So thank you so much for joining me. Go listen to Taboo to Truth. I'll have links to everything in the show notes. Follow Karen on Instagram as well. It's Taboo to Truth there as well. And uh, we'll have her we're back down the road. Send in your questions and maybe we'll do a Q&A, ask Karen anything, or or we'll do that on her show one way or the other. But send in your questions for Karen and, and we'll get some answers for you, everyone. So thank you so much, Karen. Thank you so much, Susan. So appreciative. Thank you for joining me today on the Divorce and Beyond podcast. I hope you found some information and inspiration to help you on this journey. Please join me every Monday at 6 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for a new episode. And if you like the show, please take the time to subscribe and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. You can also find more information on the website at divorceandbeyondpod.com where you'll find links to the YouTube channel, transcripts of the episodes, and other bonus content. So I'll see you next week to help you move through your divorce and beyond.